Hey guys, if you are a father who would like to have a deeper relationship with your son, if you have a son that you're trying to pour into and develop, if you want to help your son see the greatness that you know he has in his life, I've got a very special event coming up June 23rd through 27. We are going to be in Cleveland National Forest. My father's coming with me, Who my, the man who you hear me talk about all the time, who helped me become who I've become in life. We're going to be doing a father-son rite of passage event, Map and Compass Land Navigation. I'll be teaching you how to use Map and Compass in the exact same place that I learned in Navy SEAL training. This is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You'll, rem- you'll have these memories for the rest of your life. If you want to find out more, you can click the link in the description below. We've only got 16 spots available and we've already sold a few of those you can find out more at the impossible.life slash legacy navigators one of the characteristics of a winning culture is you have people pushing at the front and the back another characteristics of a win- characteristic of a winning culture is winning is incentivized yeah. right so again that this is a common navy seal saying pays to be a winner don't be last. That's what you hear all through SEAL training, right? Don't be last. It's going to hurt if you're last, right? Some of this is like a survival mechanism for what that job is going to be. Sometimes being in last place might mean that you die. That's impossible. Let me tell you what I believe. But your weakness is not your technique. Yes! Yes! Don't think you are. No, you are. The Impossible Life Podcast. I mean, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks. This is the Impossible Life Podcast, because Nick and I are attempting to live impossible lives. What we know is that nothing is impossible. So instead of using impossible as an excuse to not try, we'll use the pursuit of impossible as an accelerant for greatness. If something's never been done before, that just means it's unexplored. If they tell you it's too hard, it's just waiting to be simplified. Impossible is a default label used by uncourageous people unwilling to take a risk. The real truth is this. The solution to any impossible task starts with this question. If I had to, what would it take? take? Welcome to another episode of the Impossible Life Podcast. I'm your co-host, Nick Surface, and I'm looking across at a man so stealthy, he once lost his own shadow. That's right, friends, the former Navy SEAL, (laughs) Garrett Unklebach, a man who beat up Peter Pan, stole his truck, and made it look cool. That should have said stole his trick, but I was reading off my phone. (laughs) The shadowless warrior. Yeah. I like that. Oh, that could have been cool. Yeah. I I was thinking of a couple different ways to go there. Uh, I came up with one intro that you would have loved and it was very hilarious, (laughs) but I could definitely not do that one for the podcast. So I didn't. That's probably good. Yeah. I like to uh, show some wisdom like that. Maybe you can share it with uh, the podcast insiders. Ooh, that's a great plug. I didn't even plan on that. Yes. If you're on Instagram, we have started a broadcast channel called the Impossible Life Insiders. The reason we started this is because it's just a fun way to share stuff with you guys. You're going to see stuff in the Insiders channel that you won't see normally on the page. Yeah. Uh, just because we want to share fun stuff with you guys. Exactly. And it's a fun way for you guys to Garrett and I are spending a lot more time together and there's a lot of shenanigans. So that will definitely make it in there. You'll probably get to meet, uh, if you don't know council, oh. you'll probably get to meet council via the insiders. <laughs> I feel like, Pranking Council is going to be like a feature <laughs> on the Insiders channel. I like this plan. Yeah, I like this plan as well. Gary, uh, I feel like we are experiencing a winning culture today. 
on the podcast as always. So why don't you tell everybody what we're talking about? Uh, today we are talking about winning culture. Man, shocker! I did not see that coming. <laughs> Great job. Okay, so <laughs> let me let me tell you about winning culture. When I was a wee young lad, and I was in England in 2003, I um, this this is a little story to demonstrate winning culture. I went to England in 2003 for Bible college. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I knew nothing about rugby at all. I, I, I'll be honest, even after... I still don't, I, yeah, but I like it. Yeah, I still don't fully understand the That's rules. That's all I know. I know that you like a knock-on is whenever you fumble forward, right? And there, sometimes they'll call offside or like, these guys are just beating the tar out of each other for 80 minutes and the dude will be trying to get the ball and some guy will just plow him, perfectly legal, but then something else will happen and a whistle will just go. I have no idea. So I still don't fully understand the rules of rugby, <laughs> but I will tell you one thing. There is no such thing as a, a weak man that plays rugby because those dudes, that is true. They, they are savages. I have a lot of respect for rugby players. So in 2003, I'm over in England for Bible college. Just so happens I'm down in London, and it was the weekend of the World Cup final for rugby, and England made it there. Okay. Okay. England was the first ever team from the Northern Hemisphere to win the Rugby World Cup because if you know anything about that, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, those are the real dominant nations in rugby, uh, especially New Zealand. They're the All Blacks. If you, I'm sure you've heard of that. Yeah. Of course. So... You know, England, with all due respect to my English friends, uh, they're not known for winning international tournaments. Uh, you know, you may hate that if you're listening to this in England. I don't mean offense, but like their last trophy. The and they only cost- international tournament they ever won was world domination. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. And it's been, we've been on the steady decline for about 200 years. They won the colonization uh, game for sure. But the but they won a World Cup in soccer in 1966. Okay. And then this World Cup that they won in rugby in 2003 was the last one they won. It was also the first one that they won. Um, but the thing that the reason I'm telling the story, so they got a coach in 1998 named Clive Woodward, and he actually got knighted. His name is Sir Clive Woodward. And what I, I remember whenever he won afterwards, they started really diving into all his methods and tactics because he turned the team around. They were actually the favorite going into the tournament, which that was never the case before. And when you when there was this quote that he said afterwards, he said, I didn't change anything by 100%. I changed 100 things by 1%. That's good. And I loved that quote at the time. And there's all these stories that came out before. I mean, for example, in 1998, he switched hotels on tour in South Africa because he didn't think it was up to standard. And he paid for it on his own American Express card. Wow. Right? High standards. He, he looked at things like he brought in technology. Keep in mind, this is like the late 90s, early 2000s. Technology was not as advanced. He made sure that they had clean and short clean shorts and shirts for all the players at halftime. So when they come back out for the second half, yeah, I love that. right? And then he insisted that they would be in their seats 10 minutes before the start of meetings. He banished mobile phones. He would like sweep the team's quarters for surveillance equipment and just, and he was... That's interesting. Yeah, that's what I mean. But he was known for being ruthless, but also very personable. And so you have this guy who comes in and elevates literally the entire standards of this rugby operation. And make no doubt about it, England are always a good World Cup team or a good rugby team, but then gets them over the line. It was an incredible final. I can still see it in my head. They beat Australia, Johnny Wilkinson, with like a last-second kick. It was very dramatic. And people, I mean, if you know anything about England, they like to drink. And I still have... And uh, you, were, you were there? I was there, yeah. I was just in a bar, like, uh, you know, just watching everybody lose their minds and i'm you know i'm like 21 i'm i was not a drinker at the time i was just kind of there enjoying the festivities these people went nuts like it was winter time in 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 england and they're tearing their shirts off and jumping into trafalgar square fountains and all this sort of stuff it was just a massive party sounds like fun it was amazing dude it was i enjoyed being around it a lot the whole atmosphere was incredible but i i give that as an example of a winning culture because he went down he was england's winningest coach i think he's now been passed but at the time he went down as england's winningest coach and all these things came out and i just i love that story of someone who comes in 
sees something and starts affecting all the little details and finds a way to you know raise the, the water for all the boats and get the results so that, i like that was a winning culture that was a winning culture and and you know they did not win another world cup but they kept going on and he got knighted so not a bad thing for uh, sir clive woodward now guys when we're going to, to winning culture today we're fortunate that garrett is part of as i said one of the most winningest cultures uh in all of Humanity, I would say. The SEAL, like, I think I made a thing about they, the SEAL teams are undefeated. A, they have a historic reputation at this point. Yeah, and we're going to... So what we're going to get on this podcast, we're going to look at winning culture, not just in businesses, but in your life, in your personal life. We're going to get into the elements of what of what makes a winning culture, what it looks like when you're missing one of them, how you can get this into your life. So we're going to dive into that. But you have such great stories, G. And uh, you guys, one of, the, one of the things that is teams have is accountability right oh massive accountability <laughs> well it starts it starts in seal training in buds where one of the things they would do this is like brutal uh but it it helps everyone because it, one of the things you have to have in a winning culture is you have to have some sort of a pecking order because right. you have to know where people are at in in the culture right and in the program right there has to be a scoreboard if you're going to be a winning culture, there has to be some way of keeping score, mm-hmm. right? And you also have to know who's the best players, who's the lowest players. We'll get into that in a minute. One of the things that they had at SEAL training was peer reviews, which, like, what is that? Well, every week uh, you would get a form of all the students. You know, I think we would do this on, like, Thursdays or Fridays. Uh, but you'd get a form of all the students remaining in the class, right, everyone who hadn't quit. And you're going to rank everybody from one to whatever it was. Yeah. And they would talk about who the top five were. And they would talk about who the bottom five were, right? And if you were bottom five, they'd put you up in front of the whole class and the whole class would talk about what, what they thought was wrong with you. Every single guy would go around and say, like, so they're like, okay, Jim. And everybody would go through and then they would move to not, Mike. Or- no, not every single person would comment. Uh, but like people who had something to say would say it. And they would also re- look at like what showed up in the peer reviews, right? If there was like, you know, 30 people said, you know, this guy takes care of his own stuff first. This guy's always in the front of the chow line. This guy, you know, that stuff would get called out. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there's no place to hide. Now, you've, you've told me this before. Most guys never recover from that once um, they get blasted, right? From my class, I remember one guy making it past, uh, making it to the next phase and he didn't make it. So of all the people that I remember making bottom five, I don't remember any of those people going on to become seals. And you were never bottom Actually, five. Actually, no, I know one, I know one that went on. There was one guy that went on to become a seal, but you were never bottom five. Right? No, I was never bottom five. I, I, uh, unfortunately I was bottom third quite often. Uh, it was just part of the fact of not being one of the top athletes and being young Yeah. when you're 19. It's like, well, cause a lot of it is you, you don't know people. Right, like the the guys who are the bottom five were the people who did dumb stuff, right? And they stuck out. And I've told the story before of the uh, the fin skirt, right? Right, which you know, in the grand scheme of like bud student failures, that was not a bud student failure. But I I got to learn a really difficult lesson for that, right? But it also put me it put me in the spotlight in a negative way, right? So you were like, man, I might get bottom five. Yeah, I mean, my swim buddy cramped up, which is pretty weak, right? Like cramped up so bad he couldn't even swim, and I f- did the the swimmer rescue correctly. Right. Right. But he, he dropped his fin. Now, it was a great lesson for the SEAL teams. For a 19-year-old, I was uh, right. I was still learning and growing. <laughs> right. And uh, but, but but wearing that fin skirt, uh, that also put a bullseye on me. So, yeah. So, well, hey, so you did well to escape the bottom five, man. Yeah. I just can't imagine. Like, imagine you wonder. Like, I was thinking about this. I talked 
to my friend's uh, now wife. And Which people would ask me because they didn't see. They're like, what did you do? I would tell them and they didn't believe my story. Oh, because they thought it was ridiculous? They, no, they thought I must have done something stupider than that. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're like, yeah. punishment didn't fit the crime. Yeah. yeah. Some people worry about, I was going to share a story, but it's probably not worth it. But some people worry about what people think about them when they enter a room. You guys didn't have to worry. You yeah. just knew. <laughs> you know where you're at. We're going to tell you exactly what, what we think of you. Man, um, I say that to say, though, that like... I wouldn't. I'm not saying every winning culture has to have peer reviews, but right. there are some characteristics that come out of that. Yeah, that every winning culture has to have. Like most things, the SEAL teams, you guys did it to the extreme, so <laughs> not necessarily recommending well, that. One of the things that I would like, let's so let's talk about winning culture yeah. for a minute before we get into like all the elements of it. But one of the things you notice in a winning culture, and I'll give an example for this, is that they have people that are driving the organization at the front and mm-hmm. at the back. Right. Um, one of the th- perfect example of that is on a run. So like when we would go on conditioning runs, there's an instructor who's at the front of the run, who's leading the run. Like you have to keep up with me. I'm mm-hmm. the one in charge. Follow me. And there's people that are right behind him, right on his hip. And at the back, there's people who are pushing the back of the organization. Right. Saying like, you better hurry up, get with the pack. Right. Why are they doing that? Because literally on a run, if you just let the people in the back fall back as, as far as they want to go, you stretch out the pack too much. So think about that within like not just a team. Like think about uh, like on a sports team or in an organization, You there's going to be some difference between your bottom people and your mm-hmm. top people. But at some point you have to put a cap on that and say like we can't stretch out any further yeah. than this. Dude. So you have people that at the front are driving the organization forward, driving the team forward. And then you have someone at the back who's saying, you can't fall behind me, mm-hmm. right? And if you're in the back of the pack on a conditioning run, you literally have uh, instructors in a truck behind you, like honking at you, yelling at you over the megaphone, you suck, you're terrible, <laughs> why can't you run any faster, right? And they're not going to leave you alone until you get out of last place. right? And that's like one of the core things, I think, of uh, winning cultures, Right. And you can say, that's harsh. That's not the culture I want to have. Let me get into this a little bit more that you have some element that's pushing the organization from the front and some element that's pushing the organization from the back. Yeah. And if you're in and and so the way they do it in the SEAL teams, I'm not saying everyone should do it that way. You don't just like go to everyone in last place and tell them how bad they suck. Yeah. Right. But if you were in last place, they would not leave you alone until you got out of last place. And that was just how it was. And if you got out of last place, someone else was going to be in last place and they were going to harass that person. Right. Right. There, there was all what you did not want to be in last place. And so you know what that makes everyone do? Run harder. Yeah, for right? sure. If last place is considered acceptable, what does that do to your organization? Right. Well, yeah, it drags everybody down. Yep. Yeah. It, 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 even, it drags the people in the front down. Yeah. Well, yeah. And where you see this, so I, I like to always look at sports analogies and stuff. The way this shows up on sports teams that maybe more people can relate to, you always have that special teamer that like gives everything he has on special teams, which a lot of people kind of go, oh, well, you're a guy that's barely made the roster and you're just filling in spaces. But you have that one guy that takes it and becomes a superstar. Or you hear about, hey, they made us do extra conditioning uh, drills after practice day. And even though QBs normally get excused from that, the quarterback came and like he was the slowest and the worst, but we saw how hard he was working. That's how that starts to show up yep. because other guys look around and go, oh, okay. Okay, right. So everybody's paying their price. Like everybody's pushing. So the characteristics, one of the characteristics of a winning culture is you have people pushing at the front and the back. Mm -hmm. Another characteristic of a a winning culture is winning is incentivized. Yeah. Right? So again, that this is a common Navy SEAL saying, pays to be a winner. Mm -hmm. Don't be last. That's what you hear all through SEAL training, right? Don't be last. It's going to hurt if you're last, 
right? Some of this is like a survival mechanism for what that job is going to be. Mm -hmm. Sometimes being in last place might mean that you die, right? Right. So don't ever be in last place. You have to always be pushing to get to the front and pays to be a winner. If you win, that's like, that's what we're after, right? You've created, you've designed into the culture. You want to win and you'll be rewarded for winning. Yeah. Right. In the same way that you don't let people be in last place and that's just considered acceptable in a winning culture you have to also reward winning Mm -hmm. yeah i mean this is why communism doesn't work right (laughs) i'm I'm being serious though i mean realistically that's sure that's i mean that was where my mind went first and foremost on that and then the last characteristic g we we find yeah there's there's many characteristics but one other one that i would say is uh endurance across the entire organization Mm. um that this this comes from the purpose of the organization this comes from the people within the, the the teamwork and the leadership within the organization that everyone is sticking it out to last mm. right you won't see if it's a winning culture you won't you won't see it just pop up real quick right. and then fall fall down that's more of an all-star culture right but in a winning culture they can continue to do it over and over and over again because the purpose supersedes people mm. right an all-star organization so, yeah. is about people yeah a winning culture is about a purpose yeah right and and there's more to that we're going to get into but there's things within a winning culture that supersede the people that's why it has endurance yeah versus an all-star culture as soon as the good people go away the culture goes away yeah and i think what i think is fascinating an example of that professionally that just popped into my head as we're talking is apple like you think Apple had a real superstar CEO that helped build that? Right. I think a lot of people would think, well, if you know if something happens to Steve Jobs, that company's going to fall apart. By all accounts, Tim Cook is a very well, different individual, and they just kept going. I will. I'll say also that uh, Tim Cook was discipled by Steve yes. Jobs. You know, he was one of the few people that he met with right. every week. So. Do you, but you know what though, man, how often does, does something like that not work out? You know what I mean? I, I just, I don't know enough about Apple to really dive in, but, but I thought about them because a lot of times whenever you lose right. the leader, the whole thing, like that all-star team, especially for me as a sports guy hits home because there's so many teams in sports. I think Tim was able to look at Steve Jobs and say, what was special about him that we need to keep and what needs to grow with the organization? Right. And he was big enough to not try and be Steve Jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good. But that all-star point hit home to me because I think about those teams that go and win one championship and then they just fade into you know oblivion and you forget the re- about the them. real test will be when they go to the third ceo right who 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 gets it after tim cook we'll see man i mean they, they just keep winning right now but let's get into so some of the things we said just to repeat that so the characteristics of a winning culture are standard bears in the front and back so you got people pushing at the front pushing at the yeah, back it can be a standard bear doesn't necessarily have to be a per- person but it's something pushing the organization yes. from the front and from the back right right even think within a marriage right right it can it's just two people but you're talking about here's where we're great and here's where we're weak. Right. And you're pushing both. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in, you said they incentivize winning, right? Yes. You incentivize what you, uh, you, you will get more of what you tolerate is a quote that I once saw. And I was like, man, that's so good. Uh, a little bit of a, a blind spot revealer there. And then the last thing you says is it has endurance. Now, this all makes sense to me because I already know the elements of a winning culture when we plan this. Yeah, so let's get but, into the But let's the get elements. into the elements because this is how you're really going to start to see this. We've team. been talking about purpose and culture quite yes. a bit so yeah. some of this you you will you'll have heard before if you've been listening for the last couple months uh if not feel free to go back and listen to really all the episodes we did in december were all about purpose and culture and uh and, and into january as well but four elements here let me introduce the four elements right and we're going to talk about um organizations you need to have all four of these to be a winning culture and later on we're going to talk about if you don't have one of these what your organization mm-hmm. looks like yes. And when we get to that point, you're going to really recognize these. Exactly. Because it's not just your business culture. It's personal as well. So four elements that every winning culture has to have is number one is standards, mm-hmm. right? A standard is a picture. It's an idea. 
it's an understanding of what this is what we do, mm-hmm. right? A standard is showing up on time, right? Right. That's a standard, right? What do standards lead to? Standards lead to performance, right? Right. We show up on time. This is like a, talking about for an athletic organization. We work out this way. We show up on right. time. We're in shape. Some of the things you were reading about, about Sir Clive, like no mobile phones, all that. Right. Those were all his standards. Yeah, for sure. Right. Standards of what it looks like to be a part of this team. Yeah. Okay? Very important because when you do that, one, ever there's uniformity. Everyone's doing the same thing, which leads to greater performance. Yeah. Okay. Standards Very create good. performance. Um, and we'll talk about a just standards focus organization later. But uh, so standards is one element. Yeah. Now, let me say for I we did not consult our below 1828 Webster's Dictionary <laughs> on this. But I, I define standards for people when I'm talking to them because we talk about standards a lot. I always yeah. say it's the minimal of minimum of what you'll allow. And the reason I say yeah. that is because some people are like, oh, you got high standards, you got low standards. Everyone has standards. One of the main things that reasons we left California, and I've shared this before, so I'm not going to go into the, the details, but like I realized that all the stuff that California pushes and tolerates around gender confusion and all that stuff was making its way into my daughter's first grade class. And I just had, I was like, you know what? No matter how much we talk in our home, she's going to get used to this and it's going to become just normalized. And you don't right. question what's normalized. And that's how I define a lot of people's standards is this the stuff that you don't question. You well, just, other, other people's standards rub off on you. Right. Just like I had a, like, like my no sweatpants standard. I was just about to say, man, you still ruin those things for me, man. Those things are stacked up on my shelf. Anyways, can't, can't be going to the mailbox, you know, in your, did I get it? And you know, you know what pains me is I love Napoleon Hill and I'm reading a lot of his stuff right now and it's just, it's, I love it so much. And he talks about standards of appearance and how you can tell people who are drifting through life. And one of the things he says is it, it makes its way in the way that they dress, the way they talk, the way they walk. You can see it on a person without even needing to, to interact with them. And when I read that, I was like, dang it, Garrett was right. And, uh, you know, I hate saying that to him. <laughs> okay. So standards, first element. Second element is accountability. Yes. Similar to standards, but not the same, right. right? A standard is we show up on time. Accountability is if you don't show up on time, this is going to happen, yeah. right? If you don't show up on time, you're going to get punished. If you don't show up on time, the whole team's going to get punished, right. right? Accountability is the whatever mechanism you have for enforcement of the standard. And what accountability leads to is growth, mm-hmm. right? Standards for an organization help the whole org. They lead to a greater performance, but accountability is growth. You don't you grow as an organization by individuals growing. Right. Right. Very good. And what there's people, you know, when there's a, a show up on time policy, right? There's always just one or two people that struggle with it. Yep. Right. Everyone else seems to get here on time. Mm-hmm. But there's one or two people it's like, hey, we all everyone else went through traffic. Everyone else went through the same things you went through, but you didn't get here on time. And so there's gonna be accountability for that person and it'll help that person grow. Because accountability is happening where, you know, ten of us got here on time for the meeting, two people didn't. Well, two of you need to grow in this area, mm-hmm. right? And there's going to be other areas where you're the one that needs to grow, right? But accountability leads to growth. It's the enforcement of the standard. You can't, a standard's just an idea right. until you have the accountability that goes with it. And you, you, within your, like for your own personal appearance, things like that, you're kind of your own accountability, yeah. right? But in teams where people work together, that's mm-hmm. where accountability is required. Yeah. I think that's the interesting thing about all these elements is like, you have to establish these in your own life for your personal life, whereas you can have them put upon you if you're in part of an organization. Well, the, the only accountability that you have for yourself is do your words and your actions line up, right? That's really is your personal accountability. Like think about if I said, you know, I said my standard is to not wear sweatpants to the mailbox, right? But then you see me doing that to destroy my world. 
right? That's, that's my, I have my lack of accountability is my, like I am held accountable just in a different way. Yeah. You don't, you won't believe what I say anymore. I almost stopped believing what you said the other uh, week when I saw you in that light blue so- hoodie, man. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I went the other day, Nick was over here at my house and I put on a blue hoodie and I took it out of my, I was talking to my wife in the morning and I was like, look, babe, I'm going to wear this hoodie. And I'm like, I'm going to change it up. So the, it's like <laughs> you may not, I'm around Garrett a lot. And Garrett is like a solid color dude. Like he wears blacks, he wears grays, he wears like charcoals. Like that, that's where you roll blues, like navy blues. So I, I actually saw it on a call. We had a call with somebody. And I remember when you came on the call, like actually threw me because I was like, is my screen like I thought my screen coloring was off because I was like I know he would not wear a baby blue hoodie and so I remember I, I met up with you later in the day and I told you I was like dude this I was like distracted for the first 10 minutes of that call wondering what had happened I literally said to my wife that morning this is going to throw everybody off <laughs> and it did and it did so uh you know but it wasn't sweatpants so we're okay there all right next up G on the elements. so standards and accountability yes accountability leads to growth uh, next element of a winning culture and there's four winning elements the third winning element is a purpose mm-hmm. Right. So good. Purpose leads to significance. Yeah. Right. A purpose is that's the reason that we're here. Right. At the end of the day, we want to accomplish something together. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not just to be together. There has to be a purpose that we're doing something, the purpose for a marriage, a purpose for a family, a purpose for a team, a purpose for a business. Right. And the purpose answers the question of why am I here? Because eventually you're going to come to a time Mm -hmm. where you ask that question. Right. When it's hard, when you've been there for a long time or you're getting pulled in different directions, you're going to ask the question, why am I here? What the purpose question and what it leads to in an organization is significance. People in an organization, people in a family, people on an athletic team with a high purpose. And and because you can have businesses with no purpose, you right. can have athletic teams with little or no purpose. You can have marriages with little or no purpose. When you have a high purpose, everyone on the team, everyone in the marriage, everyone in the organization feels a sense of significance. Yeah, right. Like this is a good thing. I like being here. We're we're doing things that are meaningful in this relationship, in this business, in this organization. That's what purpose leads to. It leads to significance. Yeah, so good, man. And you could we're gonna you could highlight any one of these and just do them. And it would give you that. I think that's what's interesting is if you just had a really strong sense of purpose, suddenly you're like everything would take on so much more significance on its own, right? Yeah. But that would still not give you the winning culture. That's what I think is kind of magical about the mix that that uh, we've dissected here. So what's the fourth and element? And last, you- last is relationships. Yeah. Right. And you would think like mm, relationship and for a winning culture relationship leads to enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you from like for me, this isn't the number one priority. For right. Me, right. Enjoy, en- yeah. enjoy, enjoyment's not my number one priority. But at the same time, I can tell you uh, situations where whether it was in the military or in Mighty Men with the, the men's group that Nick and I lead, uh, there's been times where it's like, I'm in a place with a bunch of dudes. Like we're just in the middle of a forest. We're just throwing rocks at a car. And it's like, man, if I wasn't, if I didn't have great relationship with all of these people, I wouldn't want to be here. Yeah. Right. But because I'm, because of the people that I'm with, I want to be here. And so relationships is part of the glue and it works with the standards, accountability and purpose. We'll come to that in a minute, but relationships leads to enjoyment. Right. I think that's so interesting because you have stories. I mean, you tell stories. I think you might have even told them on the podcast previously where there was guys on the teams that you just, you didn't like them. You didn't want to be around them. But once it was like mission time, that was a dude you would want on your team. He would be first pick. There was, it was a different type of relationship, right? right? I wouldn't say it was a high enjoyment relationship, but it was high trust. Yeah. And we could actually communicate to each other. Yeah. I I, I always, I was just our, our, our personal preferences and honestly, our personal morals were very different. Yeah. So outside of work, we didn't want to be together. Right. 
I, I think that's fascinating though because I always relate everything to sports and that's you know you hear about these teams that when they win it's like oh everybody loved everybody and there's this real brotherhood and it's honestly where I learned some of the things that we talk about here on really because you can like it's it's easier when you have relationship with somebody based upon we like the same things we right. act the same way yeah. it's much easier to get along but you can get along with someone just because of a shared purpose and shared values on a specific mission yeah that's so good right man. so four elements of yes. a winning culture standards accountability purpose and relationships which leads to performance growth significance mm. and enjoyment which is really what the winning culture that we're talking about now <laughs> I, I g once again i feel like we're very uh blessed because you've been part of a team that tests all these things to the absolute extreme so you had peer reviews i've been part of things where you have an hr review from your manager (laughs) uh you guys had a a little different (laughs) those were hr reviews like everywhere they're like even in the military not the performance reviews and buds those were actually legitimate uh but we would do like you would do review reviews with your leader and I know that I know companies have them this way too, where it's like, we want you to rate your scale self on a scale of one to five on how you're doing on this stuff. Like, oh, I think I'm like a, a 4.1 and they say, well, you're actually a 3.3. You're not near as good as you think you are. <laughs> they would hit you straight. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> like you would do a self-assessment at the team and then your chief would tell you there, here's your actual score. Yeah. Well, you guys had this thing that you told me about that I think is hilarious. And I'm sure there's people out there in their work life that might want something called the polygraph. And no, not the polygraph that was made uh, hilarious in movies like uh, something or meet the parents, but you know, a different type of polygraph. So this is a, this is an interesting element for, I mean, again, this is the way the SEAL training would do it, but I think this element is needed. Not that the polygraph, the polygraph was a nickname for this object that they use to see who was really struggling because sometimes teams will struggle, right? And this, the polygraph was a log that they would use in log PT, which is one of the most difficult parts of SEAL training where you carry a telephone pole that's anywhere from 180 to 220 pounds. So you got six guys on there. So you're going to be somewhere between 30 and 40 pounds of weight of carrying this thing. And so just think about a telephone, a a chunk of a telephone pole, right? It's, it's hard to carry. And you're going to carry this log for hour and a half, two hours through a log PT up and over the barn into the surf. We did one where we lunged for like an hour straight, just lunged off. It was a, there's a road called demo pit road. It's a little over a mile down the road. We lunged all the way down and lunged all the way back through soft sand, carrying the log. Like it's brutal. Yeah. And so sometimes log crews, right? Like a team of six guys are really struggling. Usually the instructors can see who the weak link is, right? Sometimes there's a student and it's like, man, this guy's just weak. And instead of picking up the log, he's pulling down on the log. Right. The instructors are usually pretty good at being able to tell, but when they can't tell, when a whole team is struggling and usually there's more than one person struggling, right? When two people are really struggling in a boat crew, then the, the team's hurting really bad, right? It's hard enough when you have six guys picking up the log. It's way harder when you have four guys picking up the log and two people pulling it down. Dang. Yeah. Right. It gets really tough. And so they have this object called the polygraph, which is, it's the same type of log. It's a eight foot telephone pole. But what they did is they cut it into six even sections and they put a steel cable in between it, huh. right? So there's a little bit of slack, but it's only like a foot and a half between the logs. So you still have to mostly stay together, right? Right. You can't, like one person can't be standing up at the log and the other person be all the way lunged. And so they'll, they'll put you on this log when a team is really struggling because they can't tell who the weak link is. Huh. Well, the polygraph's going to, we're going to reveal it, right? So even this is, it's kind of a form of the peer review. We're going to see who's really struggling here. 
because uh, they'll, they'll push on a, a log crew when it's in really if back in last place. But then if they can't get the whole log crew to move and they realize there's weak people in the boat crew, they'll put you on the polygraph. And it's, it's um, my boat crew got put on the polygraph one time and it was very apparent, huh. right? Like I was, I remember feeling, cause we had instructors all over us. I remember feeling like, come on guys. Like there were multiple guys in my boat crew, like get it. Like we were just getting crushed, pushing as hard as we can. And then we got on the polygraph and it was like a breath of fresh air, right? Like, man, this is so much easier. And there was one guy in our boat crew. We didn't realize it, but he was like awful. Like he was extra weight. we it felt so much lighter huh. without him. And we were trying to do lunges with the polygraph and, you know, we'd go down and then we'd go back up and we're all up and he's still down. Right. Right. You could see it because yeah. it's not all one log. Did they run him out? They did. He was actually a legacy student. Oh man. Did he quit on his own or did they, did they, uh, throw they put, he quit later on the beach in a different exercise. Jeez. Man, I think it's amazing how you remember all these things, but you know, I think, well, those are brutal moments. I was going to so. say, yeah, they're probably a little bit more emotionally intense. Yeah. I, was, I mean, I, not even every student who goes through buds ends up on the polygraph. You know, right. you have to be in a boat crew that's struggling at one point to end up on the polygraph, but everyone knows it. Cause even if you weren't on it, you've seen it. I always think it's fascinating how you have stories like that. You also have the story where you guys were running with the boat on your head and you're talking about it's, it's actually easier. It's not just that that person is making it difficult. It's actually easier without them. And that's yeah. such a good metaphor for, yeah, we had a, there was a time with a boat crew of six guys where we were really struggling. Uh, we were trying, we were in the back on some sprints and we were pushing on some sprints and there was a guy, we didn't realize it. Well, there was one guy in the boat crew that was slower and was weaker. Uh, but you would think he would still be carrying weight. And when we pushed him out of the boat crew, we ran faster. Yeah. Right. That's crazy. So all of us are carrying more weight on our heads than we were before, but we ran faster without him. Hmm. Cause yeah. really what he was doing is he was, you have a handle, uh, there's a handle that comes off the side of the boat. So the boat's on your head, but you're reaching up with your outside arm, holding on to a handle. And he was like pulling back on his handle like brakes. Like we're all stepping on the gas and he's stepping on the brakes. Huh. And as soon as we got rid of him, we ran faster. Such a good metaphor, man. All right. So winning culture, G. I, 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 I like sharing those things. I think well, the, point, the point of the polygraph, the point of that, that boat story is that accountability is important. Yeah. Right. Awesome. You like you, we can't just, and this is like, you know, who doesn't like accountability? People who are the person who needs to get put on the polygraph. Right. Right. When you look at teams who are really struggling um, like think, think in a business, right? Like you've got a project management team or a marketing team or whatever that's struggling. Nobody wants to really talk about who it's like, ah, oh, well this happened, right? Right. They'll externalize it, right? but they won't say, well, that was this person's responsibility and they didn't handle it correctly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I, uh, the t- oh, the team, right? Right. No, there's a person on the team that's actually caught. There's people on the team that are doing their job. There's people on the team that aren't doing their job. Right. Oh yeah. Sorry. You know, we, we just didn't know. At some point, it has to get taken down to accountability. Who did 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 all six people fail in their job? Yeah. Right? Do we need to get rid of the whole team? Do we have one person who needs to grow? Do we have one person who needs to get put on a performance plan? And just on this element of winning culture, and we're going to get to the relationship portion because there's four key elements of the winning culture. But I just want to say this about the winning culture: Why would you not want to be on a winning culture? What type of what what type of person are that you would say I don't want to be on that type of culture? Right. That you don't want to be in a culture that's going to help you perform, that's going to help you grow, that's going to give you a sense of significance, and that's going to give you a sense of enjoyment. I would think that everybody would want that. Yeah. But the truth is, not everybody wants that. I want to be a part of a winning culture, right? And I don't want to be an all-star culture, yeah. right, where we just win for certain people. Right. I don't want to be a one-time culture where it's like, hey, we we won in a moment because we got lucky. We won in a moment because we right. pushed ourselves harder than we could. Whatever it is. 
I want to be a part of a winning culture that we continually perform. We're continually growing. We continually have a sense of significance and we enjoy what we're doing. Right. And if you don't, if you're missing one of these, right, we've got high performance, we've got significance, we've got enjoyment, but there's no accountability here. Right. You're not going to like that team. Yeah. Right. If you're someone who is a performer. Right. And so I, I just say that to say there's the four key elements of a winning culture and you should want to have all of these in your organization. Not only in your organization, but also in your life. Because you know what a winning culture looks like in your life is that you start to put points on every area of the board. We talk about this all the time, G. You and I, I would I would be very ashamed if I was absolutely crushing it in business and my relationship with my wife was garbage. Or, or if my kids, if I couldn't even tell you what my kids enjoy. Or if I was like, hey, I got a great relationship here, but I was just letting my health go. Or I had you know, garbage finances. You can all figure it out, but so many people, they don't have that winning culture in their life. To me, I think that's, that is like a true winning culture and a true winner is somebody that is literally putting points on every, every scoreboard in their life. And it's rare. It's so, so rare. Very good. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about, um, we talked about the elements. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about different types of organizations because usually in an organization struggles in one of these mm-hmm. four areas. For sure. Right. You've got the other three in some measure and you're weak in one of the four elements. And so we're going to talk about four different organizations that are weak in four different elements. Yeah. And as we describe them, you'll recognize them. You've been around them. You've seen them. You may be on one today. Right. And we're also going to, we want this to be relatable for personal and professional cultures. So the first one is if you have no purpose, you know what that sounds like, G? When you have no purpose, this is a, uh, this is an organization where maybe the leader says, you know, you ask why and the leader says, because I said so. Right. Yeah. Right. This and why is that? Because uh, uh, with that, without purpose, there isn't a, a greater significance. Right. And I tried to cure this uh, when I was just a, a lowly squad leader in the SEAL teams. I told the guys who worked for me, I said, you can always ask me why. Mm-hmm. Right. And at the eventually, if, if I ever can't tell you why, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Right. I'm so going to try to come up with a purpose. And I said, sometimes they won't have one for us and we're going to make one up but I'll always tell you why. Right. Right. Because when, when you are a no purpose organization or you're not connected to the purpose, this is a business, right? That says your leader saying, I need you to do this. Cause I said, right. Right. They can't. And, and this comes back to communication and some other things, but also even and think about parenting. Yeah. Right. You can have time. a parent who said, you know, you're going to do it because I said so now there's a need for authority. I'm right. not saying there's not yeah. a need for authority as a parent, but you also need to have, you need to have the purpose, right? You need to communicate the purpose because that's where, when you have high purpose, we'll come to this in a, bit, in a bit. When you have high purpose, that's where you can communicate standards, Yeah, right? Good. But when you're no purpose, it does two things, right? And we're going to talk about in each one of these organizations that's struggling in one area, it impacts the others. Right. If you have no purpose, it hurts your relationship, Yep. right? That's Think not. about it. If you're the dad who says, why, dad, why do I have to do this? Cause I said so. Right. Right. You're, you're, you're costing, it's costing you relationship yeah. value. Right. And then it lowers your standards. Yep. Big time. It lowers your performance. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the way it hurts the relationship to start with is I think it, you lose respect. I mean, I, we didn't talk about that beforehand, but it's interesting you said that to your guys because I say that to my kids all the time. I say, kids, I have a reason for everything I do. You're always welcome to ask me because of something I observed whenever I was coaching uh, youth soccer was I was thinking I'm coaching these 14 to 17-year-old kids and all day long, they just spend time having people tell them, be here at this time, bring this and they clean your room. You know, they just got all these things being barked at them. And I found that if I told them why, even if they didn't like it, at least they could respect my reasoning. 
right? And, and it made a huge impact. So I've employed that with my kids. I've never said, and I never will say because I said so, because to me, that just speaks of preferences, which is why it damages the relationship. I think people start to make up their own. Well, reasons. I think it's the greatest lack of authority when you can't communicate why. For sure. Because it's the yeah. authority's job to communicate the purpose. Here's why this matters. Yeah. And we, I mean, when we were going through this, we were imagining how this looks in there. I mean, if you've hurt your relationships and then your standards start to come down, it's because people aren't bought in, right? At that point, they'll start making compromises on like, oh, well, whatever, you know, we're doing like we're doing this because Jim why do wants why it. do we have to go on to right. bed on time because yeah. i said so i don't even know why we're doing this yeah, yeah this is stupid it hurts the standard yeah right it, lower lowers the or hurts the relationship and lowers the standard yeah right yeah. and and then a, a purpose organization not always but a, a no purpose organization usually what it is it's about what the what the pursuit is is it's a pursuit of authority or mm-hmm. power Right. Right. And that's when, as a parent, when you say that, and some of this is Nick and I's own parenting philosophy, you can agree with it or disagree with it. Uh, but I had, I also had a parent who was really good at communicating why, but when it, all you say is because I said so, um, and you're not communicating the why it really is more about the authority than it is about the purpose. Yeah. And so you can move it. Hey, if you want to, if you, if the, the goal for, if it's an authority culture, build your authority culture. But if you want a winning culture where everyone wants to win, where everyone's growing, where everyone's performing, where there's significance and enjoyment, you need the purpose. Yeah. And you talked about being like about power as seeking power. A lot of times people will put power and money in the same category. Right. So like this can also be organizations where it's just about, Hey, this is our target. Like it's a, it's a build my castle organization. Exactly. And as you said, people will help you slay dragons, but they won't help you build. Nobody wants to help you build your castle. I say that to people and I take credit for that quote all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you do. I don't man. All right. What's next you next. So we talked about no purpose. Uh, an organization with no standards, right? Oh. When you have no standards, what does that sound like? Oh, it's okay, G. You'll just do better next time. That's right. Isn't that sweet? Right, we've heard that before. Think yep. about a sports team where, hey, there's a standard to show up on time. Yeah. And the coach is like, oh, you know, it's all right, Tim. You know, I really like you, and I know you believe in this place. Um, and uh, we'll, 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 we'll get better. Yeah, because you know who's watching that is Tommy, and he's going, oh, I, I paid a price to get here early. It was really inconvenient for me, and Timmy couldn't do it, and he's not getting any consequences. So I'm just going to, what does it matter? Who cares, right? Yep. When you have no standards, it hurts the purpose. Yeah, big time. Right? Purpose and standards go hand in hand. When you've got a high purpose, you've got high standards. Think about, like, for the, the best example to me, uh, a, an organization that had insanely high standards was the SEAL teams. Right, definitely. Right, and they said, meet the standards or go away. We don't care about you. Yeah. Right? Because they had an incredibly high purpose. You're trying to be a part of the most elite military organization that serves a very high purpose mm-hmm. to act on behalf of America in some of the most difficult and strenuous situations. Right, we have a high standard here because it serves a high purpose. Mm-hmm. What if the SEAL teams just kept lowering their standards? What would it do to the purpose? Oh man, it would kill it. It yeah, would kill the purpose. Kill it. Right. Yeah. So no standards hurts purpose and it lowers accountability. Yeah, exactly like we said, because other people are watching and they're like, Well, if it if you didn't do it for him, then you if know, I don't have to show up yeah. on time, then uh, if if I don't have to show up on time, then I guess the new standard is we can be five minutes late and it's no big deal. Yeah, and as much as I hate to say this, what that looks like, unfortunately, I know very well because I'm a big time Manchester United soccer fan. <laughs> and recently, you know, you're ineffective and you're disjointed, and you're not under the new manager who they've had for the past two years. But Manchester United were one of the most winning teams of all. They are the most winning English soccer team of all time. Their manager left uh, now eleven years ago, and what's happened over the time to- over the course is they've 
not won the league at all. They've had a trophy you know, here and there. It kind of sounds like a, a team I'm pretty familiar with. <laughs> yeah. You talk about your hometown football team? Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> like the Cowboys. They have the greatest winning record in the NFL, but it's been a, it's been a little bit of a, a season. But, but the reason I bring up this specific one, though, G, think about, think about a soccer team, right? Biggest, huge global superpower. What is your purpose? Win soccer games. Really, really clear. And you know what? You know all the stories that came out, the reason I'm sharing this? All the stories came out about all the managers that were coming in beforehand was players would turn up late. It was, oh, this guy got special treatment. Actually, this guy got paid way too much, and other people didn't like it. What does that say to you? There's no standards in place. So you can have a really clear purpose. It creates an individualistic culture. Yeah, and so it it did exactly what we said. It hurts the purpose, and it lowered the accountability, and as a result, they were ineffective. Yeah, that's what we said. So the the no standards organization is unaffected and disoriented. And how how frustrating is that when you're like, man, we've got a really clear purpose, but it's just... We have a great purpose. Yeah, can't do it. Just, Just not actually getting anything done. No one wants to work there. So a little bit different than the no standards organization is the no accountability organization. Right. What yeah. does that sound like, Nick? Uh, yeah, sounds like this, G. That was silence because we're not holding each other accountable. <laughs> it's and in an organization where there's no accountability, it's kind of, especially if you're not the leader of an organization and someone, for example, someone shows up late and, uh, I mean, think about it, you're in You're in a team meeting and someone walks in the door late and then we just don't even talk about it right it's really just kind of like weird and i i thought we were supposed to show up on time but nobody said anything nobody did anything mm-hmm. um are do we are we going to talk about the fact that there's a new standard now or right are we just going to pretend that nothing happened yeah that it's weird it's a weird feeling yeah. when there's no account nobody likes it no one likes it no one likes being late no one likes it when you're when i'm in the meeting and then you show up late nobody likes having to deal with accountability but it's a painful part of a healthy organization right and when you have no accountability here's what it hurts it hurts relationships. Yeah. Right? No so accountability true. hurts relationships and it lowers standards. Well, think about this in your personal life, right? Cuz I know we're talking about organizations a lot. If you have that friend that like they just do stuff that you didn't like and you never bring it up, what you're doing is, you know, people will talk about how you're you're uh, compressing your feelings or shoving them downside and eventually it's going to blow up. But a lot of times what happens is like it just breeds distrust because there's things that you want to say to them but you don't. And now, you know, and this can happen unfortunately in marriage as well. All it does is you're literally allowing weeds to grow up in the cracks that are being created between you and the other person mm-hmm. it's a terrible it's a terrible way to if you can't say difficult things to each other to me i would say that you don't really have any depth of your relationship that's right and so yeah it does it lowers the standards and you know what this ends up looking like this is chaos this is sloppy this is uh you know in in, a, in an organization this is like one one person's doing it one way and then the person in the other department is doing it a completely different way and there's no consistency and and it's just Oh, well, that's how, you, that's how you're going to do it today? Well, no one's going to say anything anyway, so you just, you just keep on going. It's a terrible way to do things. And, and the, when, when there's no accountability, the, the impact that it has on standards right. is eventually you, it doesn't just impact the standards. It impacts the purpose as well. Oh, yeah. Right? Like we're not going to be able to, without accountability here, we can actually become who we're supposed to become. Right. I mean, I will say in a great example of this, and I got to give you credit, G, because you're the leader of the organization. For us in Mighty Men, what we do, Mighty Men is a voluntary group of men at yeah. the church I will tell you, there's a lot of stuff that's asked of us from the standpoint of like time given for serving, um, just all the things that we're held accountable to. And what everybody knows, you're not going to get a pass. Like people joke about it. I don't know if they yeah. joke about it with you, but like they, they some, don't, but I hear about it. Well, people will come up to me and they'll ask me a question. I'll just be like, hey, what do you, what do you think Garrett's going to say to you if you, if you ask that to him? 
And that literally ends the conversation. That ends the conversation. It ends the conversation because, <laughs> because at some point you have to set the line and you're very good at going like, here it is. And that's, you know, you say it all the time, meet standard or go away. And we're not harsh like that. But you know what that's done? That's leveled everybody up in, in Mighty Men. Well, we're increasing some accountability this year in some of our own standards, yeah, right? Sure. We're increasing that we had accountability, but we're going to make it better because there's a few parts of what we do in Mighty Men, and I won't go deep into that here in the podcast, but there's a few pieces of Mighty Men that said, you know what, if we'll increase accountability in this area, I know we're going to get better because it's something that we're all struggling with. And if we'll increase our accountability here, we'll all grow. And then why? Mm-hmm. Why do I want to increase the accountability, not just for everyone else, but even for myself? Because I care deeply about yes. the purpose. Right. Right. Yeah. So good. And, and I, I'm glad you said that. Remember what we said in the, earlier on, accountability leads to growth. Yep. If you want to have growth in your relationships and in your personal life, you need to have accountability. There's a number of men that I'm close with that they could ask me at any time, let me see your phone, let, well, whatever they ask, I'd be like, yeah, go for it. Think about the area in your life where you need the most growth. And ask yourself if it's the area where you have the highest accountability. So good. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's so the area good. where you need the most accountability. Yeah. That's that's a stinging question right there, G. Right. So uh, <laughs> an organization with no accountability is chaotic and sloppy. That's For what sure. you, you said that, sloppy. Yeah. And that's like, think about an athletic team. High purpose, high standards, great relationship, but there's no accountability. That's just sloppiness, yep. right? You don't have a you don't have all the line coaches and all the individual coaches saying if you you run this route correctly every single time. Right. Right? You pass you make this pass the same way every single time. Yeah. You just turn into a sloppy team because there's no accountability. Good. I don't want a sloppy life. I don't want a sloppy marriage. I don't want to be a part of any sloppy businesses. They take that sweatpants. All right, the <laughs> last one is no relationship. What does that sound like? Sweatpants are sloppy. <laughs> okay, enough. <laughs> what is what is no relationship sound like? In no relationships sounds like uh, you know, I can tell you where I what it sounded like for me in the military. And I learned from some of the best leaders I've ever met in the military. I learned from some leaders that were some of the worst I've ever met in the mm-hmm. military. And the guys who who led Right. But they didn't get this. They Maybe they had the purpose. They had the standards, they had the accountability, but they didn't have any relationships. You know what? You know what I heard so often? You're making me look bad. Mm. I didn't care about you. Right. There was no relationship. Right. Think this can also be I'm, I'm fortunate to have not had a parent like this, but I've heard parents like this say that to their children. Mm. You're making me look bad. Yeah. Right. You the 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 you're not creating a winning culture where there's performance, growth, significance and enjoyment. You're creating a culture where people better do what you say because they're making you look bad. Mm. It's a very selfish culture. Yeah. It's a cutthroat culture. Yeah, and, and I mean, I don't think anybody's going, you know what, I'd love to be there, right? Like, doesn't that sound great? Nobody wants to be in that. And uh, when you're leading that, you're going to be miserable leading it. When we talked about that beforehand, because I, I think the relationship piece, some people can be like, oh, well, this team, you know, like what we talked about earlier, you didn't really like that guy, but you guys were still able to perform. But when we talked about winning cultures, don't miss some of the characteristics we said, because we said endurance. And I think this part, the relationship part, is what gives the endurance, because there's been those teams, if you think about it, let's let's look at sports, they'll win one trophy and then it kind of falls apart, right? Yeah. Or, or like anytime a dynasty ends, usually the relationship piece, I'm thinking about like the Patriots, they're a recent dynasty. Towards the end, all the stuff that started coming out in the media was, hey, there's a fraction between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. He doesn't like his trainer. Like this was the stuff that leaked out. I don't know if it's true. I, I, I'm not trying to talk about sports here, but like that's the piece that starts to go because then what happens? Like we said, it hurts the accountability and it lowers the standards, which of course means that you're not going to perform because standards are what leads to performance. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it, it, when you start thinking about it like that, it really is, uh, it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I mean, do you, do you have anything else you want to add as well? About no, so culture? when there's, when there's no relationship, it hurts the accountability. Yeah. 
right? Think about this in a, in a relationship where the, not just in a marriage, but think about like two men in a relationship, right? Right. If I'm trying to hold Nick accountable, but we don't have any relationship, right. I can't hold him as accountable as if we did have relationship, For sure. right? So great relationship increases accountability. No relationship hurts the accountability and no relationship also lowers the standard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If when we when we care about each other, when two brothers come together or when a man and a woman come together, when you when you have people who care about each other, that's when you can raise the standard. Not just for, it's not just about me. Right. right. It's the opposite of the you're making me look bad. It's saying, like, let's be better together. Yeah, because the relationship piece about hurting accountability, if you think about it, if you really care about somebody, you're going to hold them accountable, not for yourself, but because you care about that person. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've had I mean, we've had difficult conversations with with friends, with each other. And, and it is really truthfully from a place of care. And it is from that relationship. So. Man, I love that, Jeff. I feel like so you, good. you got to dive in. We got to, of course, have lots of fun seal stories. Well, I, lo- I, love w- I love winning culture, and I'm glad we finally got to this one. I had a thought the other night, so I text Nick uh, to share on this. And I just, that's what I want for everyone, right? Yeah. A winning culture isn't a meant to be a cutthroat culture. And I right. think that's what a lot of people yes. experience. That's why relationships is a piece of it. I want people to be a part of winning cultures yeah, where there's so a, it's a performance culture, it's a growth culture, it's a significance culture. And it's an enjoyment culture. And remember, there's things that hurt. Like you, maybe what's missing in your culture, like you feel like, man, I wish we had more relationship. But also remember that no accountability hurts the relationship, mm-hmm. right? Like when you're not, when you show up on time, when, I mean, think about this, when you, if for a baseball team or a football team or a soccer team, if you don't show up on time and you make your friend who's the captain of the team punish you yeah what does that do to your relationship with your friend who's the cap it puts you in a difficult place right right if you want relationship to grow in at your team maybe be more accountable yeah. right and perform but show up on time do what you're supposed to do so i wanted this to be a solve for people where they can say like man this is what my organization needs so and good. i know what i need to do yeah and hopefully for your personal life and garrett it's great that we talked about winning culture because uh, <laughs> if you've listened this far here's a little uh, teaser for you we may or may not have a member, a very significant member of the World Championship Ooh. Texas Rangers coming on our podcast soon. You just have to find out and see. You just have to wait. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Remember to share, like, subscribe. If you think that this would be something that someone would enjoy, please send it to them. We appreciate it all. If you want to get in touch, you can follow us on Instagram at The Impossible Life. You'll find us on there. You can also email at impossiblelifepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you want to get in touch and find out about Garrett's personal or business coaching, that's the way to do it. Thank you again for listening. Go out there, think better, and live the impossible. See you again soon. Long before ice baths were a thing, Garrett was doing them in the SEAL teams. Now we do them as part of our daily morning routine to make us better. We are very pleased to have partnered with Freedom Plunge. Freedom Plunge is on a mission to bring cold exposure to everyone. They believe that cold plunges should be affordable, easy to use, and represent the customer themselves. Cold plunges shouldn't cost a fortune, and these ones don't. Garrett and I both use our Freedom Cold Plunge every single day. It's customized. You can put whatever you want on them. For us, we have our Impossible Life logos. And here's the best part. Just for listening to this podcast, you can go to freedomplunge.com, use the discount code IMPOSSIBLE, and save $500 off any Freedom Plunge. These things are half the price of the ones that you see on the internet, plus you're going to save an additional $500 with code IMPOSSIBLE. Go to freedomplunge.com and get yourself one now. You will not regret it.